Why, hello there, priests. You have found the hardest book review podcast there is, where we digest life-changing books. We shit out greatness, and we change our lives one book at a time. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. And here we go. Welcome back. This is Troy Hongs with the Curiously Disagreeable Podcast. This is episode three of three of To Ride, Shoot Straight, and Speak the Truth by Colonel Jeff Cooper with me, your host, Troy Hongs, again. Now, it's been insane. Now, the first episode, we introduced the combat mindset. We talked about who the fuck Colonel Cooper was. He spent like a weirdly large amount of time teaching us how to build our house to fortify it against intruders. He talked about legal trouble, and then he moved into, on episode two, the pistol. It was a treatise on the pistol, why it was interesting, why it is uh, less good in some ways, but, but is made up for by the fact it's so goddamn convenient. But now, we're moving into the rifle, because... Colonel Cooper has this thesis that you're not a man unless you own five guns. The pistol, the rifle, the carbine, the shotgun, and the machine gun. And so I know nothing about those three. The carbine, the shotgun, the machine pistol. But I know some about a rifle. So I was hanging with Colonel Cooper for the pistol section. I felt like adding some value, some good examples and shit. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be okay maybe maybe even good and uh, maybe probably not great uh, probably definitely not perfect uh, colonel cooper yamamoto tsunotomu would both look down on me from hell uh maybe look up <laughs> and uh but here we go the rifleman the general purpose rifle and so he throws out the concept that there's this there's a general purpose rifle and that's important you know you don't want some super specialized you know half ounce trigger match performance rifle you, know, you want this general purpose rifle the basic attribute of the rifle is reach a powerful rifle enables a man to reach out and strike a blow that will stop not only a man but a truck or horse dead in its tracks or a deer and if you're a soldier you probably do need to think about things like fire superiority which i basically don't even understand except for like i think that means shoot a lot of bullets at them and, and then they're like oh fuck and then they leave um, in studying the circumstances under which an individual owner might have to be called upon to use a rifle in defense of his life and property one is drawn to the conclusion that a battle scene is almost certainly not going to be involved so what he's saying is that when you actually look because you know he was in he was in war but then he came back and he was a teacher and so he was trying to teach civilians he's trying to teach citizens with his goddamn moral obligation to help Americans learn how to defend themselves. But he says, it's not probably going to be like 300. It's not probably going to be like the Battle of the Alamo. It's going to be more like, it's going to be more like a lone person defending themselves. A solitary rifleman or a small group operating individually from cover can do an enormously effective work, but rarely with more than two shots from the same firing position. So he's basically saying, you know, a hunting rifle, even though speed of firing is way less, might actually be a good option for self-defense. The more I ponder this, the more I'm led to believe that a man alone fighting for his survival 
is probably better armed with a strong modern hunting rifle than any form of battle rifle. The point is, do not feel that you are that you are not with it because you do not own a Sturmgewehr, which means, I don't know, like some crazy World War II fucking machine gun. In all forms of conflict, success is much more a matter of the man than his gear. And practice, they say, makes perfect. So, I don't know how outdated this is because, you know, this was written in 1980 before the AR-15 platform got so legit. I would imagine now that the AR platform is probably... Uh, like the AR platform and a pistol is probably like the best for self-defense, but uh, you know it's it's not like ten times better. Uh, based on what he said, you know it's it's not thirty times better than than a reliable hunting rifle. I would say you know maybe it's maybe it's like one point three times better. Which, if you think about it, is actually like super interesting and good news because you know we we feel we feel like oh man you know i don't have a machine gun like fuck that's not like i i don't really have a rifle to defend myself but he's saying well how these engagements happen you know it's i look into my back pasture and i see three guys coming with rifles in my back pasture okay well and, and you know i don't need an ak-47 you know 30-06 hunting rifle pow you know, that, that sends that sends a message. It says hello. The rifle is the queen of weapons. The brother of Allah. And it does more things well than any other small arm. The skilled rifleman can strike a decisive blow in a very short time at any distance at which he can clearly make out his adversary. There are all sorts of rifle types, but the one we speak of here takes a full-size milita- military cartridge such as 30-06. In the hands of a skilled operator, this type of rifle is a formidable instrument, far more so than is generally realized in an age when most casualties are inflicted by high explosives. And so, I don't know if you guys have seen that uh, like crazy, probably taken out of context clip of Joe Biden being like, "Right to bear arms against the military, like you're gonna need, you're gonna need nuclear warheads and bombs." And then all the Second Amendment people are like, "What'd you say, bitch?" Um, but but actually, so Colonel Cooper's saying, it doesn't matter actually as much as you think. You know, those, those bombs and everything, like 300 people with a, with a fucking, who are decent with a good-ass hunting rifle, it sounds like, are actually pretty effective. Uh, a good rifle can kill a man or a horse or an automobile with one round at distances of half a mile or more. On the other end of the scale, it can be used with split-second precision in close combat. Rifle marksmanship is demanding. It calls for a very high degree of concentration and self-control. Only certain kinds of people make good riflemen, and most are derived from cultures in which a tradition of rifle marksmanship exists. The European Jaeger, the South African Boer, are examples of the sort. For reasons which would seem obvious, hunting cultures tend to produce the best riflemen, while severe and demanding training can do a good deal with a city boy, it is not possible to introduce him to the varied and unexpected circumstances which he may encounter in the practical employment of his rifle. Generally speaking, the townsmen tend to be excitable and to forget the things he learned on the range when the chips begin to fly. On the other hand, the experienced hunter, while he may be no braver, is used to concentrating upon marksmanship under conditions of stress and tends to be less easily distracted from the essentials of holding, aiming, and squeezing. Okay, so first of all, 
fuck you, Colonel Cooper. No offense. I'm that city boy in this example, and my good friend is the citizen that comes from a hunting culture. So again, I hurt my back, and then I discovered deer hunting. First with a bow, then with a rifle, and I became my, my redneck friends, like basically like his little retarded apprentice. Um, but again, because I didn't grow up shooting guns, remember, you know, my parents were like, if you eat the fruit, we hate you. Um, a couple things I noticed. You know, my redneck friend, he's able to pull off insane shots. And like deer killing success, almost not, not without trying, because he's definitely trying, but like things I never would be able to do, or maybe I like I'm only starting to under even understand the mindset of how one could do that. Um, I remember there was this one day where he killed two deer with a bow, one of them with his actual dick out. <laughs> he was getting down off the deer stand. Um, he was actually angry and almost depressed because he hadn't killed a deer yet. And uh, what he told me he wasn't even being quiet. Uh, I think he maybe had even put his bow away. Uh, and all of a sudden, he sees like a, a fucking deer at 30 yards. And so he has the presence of mind to slowly and quietly get his bow back out, knock an arrow, and shoot the deer while the deer's looking at him. Insanity. And then he calls me. And I'm also pissed, but like more because it was like three years ago and I was basically horrible. And, and I was like, all I know how to do is not quit, but I'm ready to stop fucking sucking any day now, God. So he calls me and is like, bro i shot a fucking deer dude it was so crazy and then i hear him say holy shit it's another deer should i shoot it and so i hung up on him because like yes bitch obviously just just shoot it. i'll make this decision for you but come to think of it i i must be getting some of my orders of operations here wrong because i'm a hundred percent sure he peed sometime in there but in my mind he shot the deer with his dick out. But if that happened how I'm telling it, that would mean he called me with his dick out, which is extra weird. And I might have just accidentally discovered my friend's a pervert live on air. But hey, to each their own. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> Probably edit that out. Uh, but just go with it. So he did the same thing. After he just killed that deer, he knocked another arrow and killed the second deer. And now... Compare that to me, and I'm getting better. I seriously am. I've kind of finally figured it out. But uh, especially the excitability thing, like the first 10 times I saw a deer in the wild, I basically just like blacked out <laughs> and had to fight every impulse not to just lose all fundamentals and just start fucking blasting. Um, and as I'm thinking about this, like I don't think Colonel Cooper's making a comment on nature versus nurture since I 100% guarantee that skill can be learned. My friend just learned it from the time he was eight years old to 18. And uh, so it makes sense that he doesn't have to practice as much. and He can just go out there and perform. You know, it'd be like me fighting a random drunk person. You know, pretty sure if necessary, I could be like, hey, sir, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. And then, you know, get close enough, shoot for a double leg takedown and very unethically slam the person on concrete. You know, and everybody would look at that and be like, oh my God, how did he do that? How did he have the presence of mind to do that? But, you know, I've probably hit 4,000 double legs in my life against actual wrestlers. You know, a drunk person that doesn't wrestle, easy. Uh, Colonel Cooper, though, is, he's just saying from a practicality perspective, if you have a limited time, if you have limited time and resources, 
start with the raw material that has more of those core skills. And the last thing I'll say on this, I did kill a deer this season with my rifle and I saw it and I got a sight picture and I, I felt myself want to just go, oh my God, it's a fucking deer and just smash the trigger. But I picked the spot on the deer, I aimed and I did a good trigger pull. Now, I still didn't watch where it went. I like raised my hands above my head by myself. I'm pretty sure I loudly shouted, fuck, after I shot it. But we found the deer perfect heart shot. So it can be learned. But, you know, Colonel Cooper's over here disparaging me with the truth. And if there's one thing we know, we know that the truth is never mean. A really good rifleman with a good rifle in his hands is a man of stout heart. He knows what he can do, and he looks down upon those who cannot do the same. I was once told by a very experienced officer that he would rather attack 10 machine guns working together than one platoon of riflemen who could shoot. He was fortunate to serve in the, in the Pacific for it was never possible for the Japanese to field a platoon of men who could shoot because shooting is not part of their tradition. And this whole thing's fucking crazy because it's showing me that like America kind of comes built in to be good at war because we have people who have shooting in their fucking blood. Not saying we should revolt against the government or anything, but just an interesting comment. It is important to remember that the rifle is an offensive weapon. It is an instrument with which to take the fight to the enemy. With a rifle, one can attack with terrible effectiveness if he's good enough, but he must be good enough. So that that ends the rifle section. And that's crazy. Um, I think that the biggest takeaway for me was that, you know, a, a, a typical hunting rifle that might have five or six or seven or ten rounds um, is actually very good for long distance self-defense, even compared to an AR. And I, and I don't really know the difference in caliber with a 223 versus 30 out six i mean i know 30 out six is way bigger but um i wonder if he would change his opinion now that ar technology is way better than it was in 1980 but um very interesting so now we move to the carbine now <laughs> we're entering the territory of the only relevant experience troy has with this is first person shooters territory um and Colonel Cooper's dead set that a, that a, that a rifle is baller. So he says, no man can do with a carbine what he can do with a rifle. But if what he can do with a rifle is not much, then a carbine may serve him just as well. The carbine is the weapon for mass armies whose motto is, if you cannot shoot well, shoot a lot. Modern carbines are almost, are almost all capable of fully automatic fire and are thus mistakenly called machine guns by the unenlightened. Uh, whatever. Colonel Cooper hates the M16, <laughs> basically, is the summary. Okay, so that was the carbine. Uh, my relevant experience is contractors in Call of Duty, and uh, Colonel Cooper says it sucks compared to a rifle, so um, get out your old Ruger American hunting rifle. It's defeating the AR, he would say. The shotgun. Um... So now he, he's going to cover the shotgun, basically just saying, like, it's awesome. And I have a shotgun. I have a nice one. And I got a little side saddle on it. I've got uh, five extra rounds uh, on it. Um, I've sh but, I, you know, I've shot it like five times. I just, I don't know. I just don't like shotguns that much, man. Um, but he says, a man who cannot handle a personal confrontation with two or three charges of buckshot probably cannot handle it with anything. The shotgun can never match the pistol as a defensive arm since you must go and get it. 
neither can it match the rifle since it cannot reach. On the other hand, so that's it, uh, before I even go on, think about that. So he's saying, by definition, understanding the law of large numbers in evolutionary fucking time, the shotgun can never match the pistol because you always have to go get the shotgun. Okay. And he's saying, and if you have to go get something, it can never match the rifle since the rifle can do the, the close range shit, but it can also reach. So he's saying, if you have to go get something, don't go get the fucking shotgun, go get the rifle, he would say. On the other hand, it has great usefulness in situations where the user is not quite sure the situation, such as entering a confusing building in which there probably will be no shooting, but may call for it if things go wrong. Probably its ease of use remains the most conspicuous asset. Most men can be trained to use the shotgun efficiently in less time than any other small arm. And so, I think we all understand words, but he's basically saying, oh, okay, shotgun, really devastating, really cool, um, but it, it just, he's struggling to, to tell you where the shotgun fits in if you've got a rifle and you got a pistol. Uh, maybe like clearing damn houses or something. Um, so I'm skipping the machine pistol, which I think is also the submachine gun. Um, like an MP5. I, I'm just saying words now. I know nothing. Um, but after working extensively with all five of the combat small arms over the last several decades, I am often confronted by the skilled shooter who asked me why he has any need for anything but a rifle and a pistol. He maintains that he can handle any sort of defensive situation with a pistol and a rifle. Whatever. Delete that. So, he ba skipping the machine pistol, he basically just says like, the submachine gun is only good for wasting fucking ammo. Um, I don't know, man. I would love to hear you debate Jocko. Okay. So now we're, we're closing out the five guns section. So, you know, again, five guns to be a man. You have to have these five guns or he hates you, basically. Um, but the pistol and the rifle are by far the best, he would say. So what's the best combo? The point here is that these questions come from highly skilled marksmen. For the really good man, the rifle and the pistol, balancing attack and defense, will truly do the job. And again, I'm very curious if technology has progressed enough that, that you could say now an AR and a pistol will really do the job, but uh, I know for sure that he would still agree that a 30 6 hunting rifle or 308 hunting rifle that would do the job. Nothing can replace the pistol as the primary defensive arm simply because of its availability. The pistol is there within reach and that is rarely true of any long gun. Therefore, despite its relatively low power and high degree of skill needed, the pistol cannot be supplanted by anything else. If one does have the luxury of going to fetch out a long gun, the highly skilled man would choose a rifle. Damn, I can't argue that. That makes me feel good, man. I got a hunting rifle. I got a pistol. I guess that's all I need. What about rapid fire? He says. So, so he's closing out this five gun section and um, moving into some just some just sprinkled in fucking questions and facts. What about rapid fire? Well, uh, my son-in-law tells of of his unit's policy on night guard alarms. The phone to response center rings. Lieutenant, we've got a problem. And he says, "Yes, is everybody on semi-automatic?" Lieutenant, the gooks are through the wire. 
Now, I think that's a very politically incorrect way of saying Vietnamese people nowadays, but I'm just I'm just quoting. Uh, Lieutenant says, is everybody on semi? The, the nug says, I don't know. Lieutenant says, find out. Is everybody on semi? And the, the guy's like, they are now. And he says, okay, now what's your problem? So the whole damn summary is saying everybody thinks it's so that like the difference between the civilian rifles and the military rifles is, is automatic fire. But um, according to Colonel Cooper, you, you know, you're always going to do semi-automatic in combat. So like, Hey, what a good fucking law, dumbasses, uh, does nothing. So, um, again, though, that's kind of heartening for us, just private citizen, wanting to make sure we're able to defend ourselves. Semi-automatic rifle, either hunting rifle or AR, and pistol, I mean, you're basically able to handle anything, he would say. Um, he's now going to throw in uh, his solution to riots, which is actually using a suppressed 22 to surgically assassinate the leaders of the mob. Colonel Cooper, it was simpler days when you wrote that, but bitch, that, you can't do that. Okay, I object. And then that ends the kind of meandering walk through the fucking force of truth of the five gun section. He's gonna close this shit out with, with the hunter. So he talks about hunting, and he do, he's done a lot of hunting in his life. And I skipped all of the stories, basically. Elk, moose, lion, crocodile. I skipped all of them except danger, the spice of life. Again, this whiskey sponsored by podcast. Danger, not variety, is the spice of life. Only when one has glimpsed the imminence of death can one fully appreciate the joy of living. Danger, to be appreciated, must be known. Our lives were all forfeit when we were born. But the hour of peril is not always apparent to us. As you read this, you may be seconds away from a fatal heart attack, but you are not in danger, so to speak, since you do not know you are. Danger, in this sense, is the awareness of the possibility of imminent death. It is always a shocking experience, but it need not be terrifying, and it absolutely must not be allowed to become incapacitated. Fear and terror are words too often used in the age of the common man, all capitalized. If, if 1985 was the age of the common man, I don't even know what Colonel Cooper would think of nowadays. Fear that nullifies a man's ability to cope with the danger that gives rise to the fear is an unacceptable emotion. So what he's saying is getting so scared that you can't deal with the danger, no matter what it is, even if it's fucking goblins. That's an unacceptable emotion. Stop feeling it. I don't I don't know how Colonel Cooper help me. The awareness of peril, however, is not the same thing at all. Because in properly organized personalities, it heightens perceptivity sets the heart and mind to greater activity and stimulates the entire consciousness in a way not otherwise realized it sounds like he's fucking telling us to go do orange theory fitness you know it's like oh you know it's it kind of in a well-organized person it stimulates the consciousness you're like oh, oh shit man maybe i should try out this orange theory fitness and then you realize he's talking about killing another man and, and he, he loops in sports 
you know, because he wants to taste the dragon. He wants to feel the elephant. He wants to have the red flag go up. However we may define sport, man's sports have often been conscious endeavors to achieve the joy that comes from successfully facing danger. I prefer to define blood sports as those voluntarily undertaken activities in which error, failure, incapacity, or mistake may well result in the death of the participant. So he's telling us, you know, all this pansy-ass football and basketball shit, like, if there's no chance of death, is it really a sport? Colonel Cooper, how are you so hard? That's a question I want to ask myself right now as well. These include mountain climbing, all forms of motor racing, most forms of water sports, and the hunting of dangerous game, up to and including maybe even the most dangerous of game. He's basically saying that only blood sports are real sports. What the fuck? Who is this guy? The thrill is still with us today. Though available only to a few, the grass eaters will never understand it. And there are a great many of those. There are also a great many who have no taste for horseradish, chili, or curry. To the meat eaters among us, such people would seem to lead bland, insipid, and pastel lives. So he's saying, the people that don't understand blood sports, yeah, those fucking people, they're pussies. They live bland, insipid, and vegetarian lives. And so the only of his hunting stories I pulled out, because they were all like, I shot the crocodile. I shot the lion. He talks about hunting the evil black buffalo. If one is a reasonably good shot, thoroughly instructed in anatomy, and wielding a weapon of adequate power and capable of controlling his nerves in an emergency, his chances of coming to grief in a buffalo encounter are low. It is a big experience. I anticipate it, savor it, and, and emphasize it. Rabbit people, that's what he's calling people who don't agree with him. He's calling them rabbit people. Rabbit people will say I make entirely too much of it, but I do not mind that. I have little to do with rabbit people, professionally or recreationally. He says he, he only fucking hangs out with meat eaters. That's what he's saying. What a savage. What an insane person. This is helpful because it describes performance under pressure. On my own last buffalo hunt, I thought long and hard about my emotions at the moment of contact. I prepared myself in advance to note my sensations. Was I to feel fear? Was, I, was my mouth to go dry, my hands to shake? When I saw the mighty master bull stand forth from the herd, he looked at me as if I owed him money. Now, there's one thing about me is uh, I am not mature enough to be sensitive and nice if people owe me money and don't pay me. To the point that it's a problem, okay? But, you know, it's what makes me good at sales, but it's also a problem for interpersonal relationships. And so, but I'm not really trying to fix it because goddamn it, you know, if you owe me money, fucking pay me. And that's how this water buffalo looked at him. But before anything incapacitating could occur in my emotional condition, my concentration shifted to the task at hand, which was shooting. And that's it. That's telling us, you know, when, when you fucking feel that triple EpiPen to the neck and a double punch to the nuts, and now you have to fucking, you know, now you have to defend yourself. He's saying, you can do it. If you practiced enough, you just focus on the shooting. 
was shooting. That was his, that was his task at hand, shooting. Marksmanship. I remember intensely focusing on the front sight, red against black. Lastly, I recall putting every ounce of concentration I possessed upon a gentle pressure on the trigger, a surprise break. My preoccupation with these matters of technique was so great as to blank out any possible feeling of apprehension, excitement, or fear. And he got the buffalo. Yay, Colonel Cooper. But that's so helpful because, you know, let's say that it's the biggest fucking game of your basketball career and, you know, you're about to win. You're about, it's tied up, you got fouled, and you have two free throws. Well, what do you do? Well, you take a lesson from this. You just focus so fucking hard on the fundamentals. You don't think about anything else. You know, if Colonel Cooper's able to focus on his front sight and a, and a smooth trigger pull, when he's, he's going he's gonna to get killed. He, if he fucks this up, he's going to get gored to death by a buffalo. But if he's able to just not feel anything except for the fundamentals, you can do it in your fucking basketball game or whatever. <sighs> Holy shit, dude. What the fuck did we just experience? I feel like I drank a hundred ounces of whiskey through my ass. I know what we didn't just experience. Political correctness. Yeah, none of that. Professionalism. Eh, kind of like a weird military professionalism, but yeah, none of that. Bullshit. Oh, none. Or words written down to make us feel better. None of that. This was straight fucking wisdom of a man who has seen the elephant more times than Justin Trudeau has seen a naked lady. His philosophy of self-defense came through loud and clear. Be aware, be fast, be ready. That a lone armed person with a rifle and a pistol is a lot closer to a sovereign individual than I previously thought. And we care about this first because in this great country known as the United States, with all its fuckery, its bonbons, its bidets, blue hair, and 87 genders, we still recognize the universal human right of self-defense. That a good person has the right to not let bad people take their life, liberty, or humanity from them without a fight. But also, contained in these words are kernels of gold. Gold that can save our lives. And even if you don't care about self-defense, again, you're wrong. But this mindset and understanding how someone can perform at the highest fucking levels of human existence, that translates to anything. By zooming in on how Colonel Cooper reacted when being charged at by that murderous black buffalo, we understand it shines the light on how we would react in a car accident in a tense negotiation, in proposing to your wife, or throwing the game-winning touchdown. And for me, the biggest takeaways from this book are, when the red flag flies, you can perform like you've trained. Just force your corpse, get pissed, and do it. It also crystallizes a nebulous thought primed by Mr. Taleb that over the course of fucking time, improbable fat tail risks become inevitabilities and doing something low cost like learning how to use firearms could ultimately be the highest ROI investment any of us have ever made. It firmed up my understanding of the dynamic between a rifle, a pistol, a shotgun, and I feel good. Me, having a pistol and a rifle, man, bitch, I'm, I'm a fucking sovereign individual. I was amused the whole fucking time. We can be sure 
they don't make them like they used to. And finally, we end with my favorite Colonel Cooper quote. Blessed are those who in the face of death think only of the front sight. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that, my pretties, is another episode down of the Curiously Disagreeable podcast. Check us out at CuriouslyDisagreeable.com, the Troy Hollings on Instagram, or wherever the fuck you get your podcasts. The end.